Good evening, everyone. Hope you had a safe and enjoyable Thanksgiving weekend. My name is J.B. Long. This is the Coach McVeigh Show, Week 13 edition. The 7-4 Rams are going to be at the 6-5 and five Arizona Cardinals. And we say good evening to DeMarco Farr. How's your Monday been, DeMarco? Uh, well, uh, okay. You know, I, I, I would love to to have had a see you Wednesday situation. So, But, you know, here we are and, you know, okay, not so bad. I'm here. We made it. Yeah. Well, as we bring in the head coach of the Rams, it's a, it's a different kind of see you Wednesday, I guess, Sean McVay, in that the NFL mandated that uh, all work done on this Monday and Tuesday is, is remote, as I understand. So it's been a work from home type of day for you and the uh, Rams? It has, yeah, and, and it's been, uh, you know, not, not too different than what we're accustomed to because we've kind of met with our guys virtually on Mondays, but they usually come in the buildings to, to lift and things like that. But, you know, it's kind of one of those years, and much like DeMarco, I'm, I'm just okay today. <laughs> I, I can understand that. I mean, legitimately, I think the Los Angeles Rams could be, should be 9-2 and two or 10-1. and one. I doubt that you feel differently. How can they use that as motivation instead of mounting frustration? Uh, you know what? I think it's more than anything. It's about the ability to to move on, uh, to be able to acknowledge the things that led to the shortcomings. And and really, uh, you know, that's what we're excited about is attacking our next stop. And um, for us, you know, we've had a couple close games, uh, but ultimately we're not going to make any excuses for why we didn't or didn't get it done. I think we know kind of where a lot of the answers, uh, you know, line up in terms of getting the outcome that we want. And we're excited about attacking it collectively, staying connected as a team, and, and figuring out a way to respond against the Cardinals this week. You can't control a pandemic, man. You can't control the weather, you know. But uh, isn't it just slightly frustrating that you can't get back on the grass when you need to the most, you know, as a football coach? Yeah, it is. Um, you know, and, and especially last week, you know, I, I think um, – you know, sometimes you got to make decisions as a head coach. And, you know, we had some things where we were concerned about a possible, you know, COVID outbreak with our guys. It ended up being a false alarm. It was a short week coming back from Tampa. And um, it did limit our opportunities on the grass. And, and that's where you don't ever minimize the fundamentals, the techniques. And, and that's why we can't wait to get back on Wednesday and, and, uh, and really attack our prep the, the right way. Rams coming off a disappointing 23-20 loss to San Francisco, but five games to go, and if they win out, they win the West. Is that kind of a team goal singular at this point? It simplifies things, unfortunately, the loss yesterday in terms of winning the West is still the goal you don't need outside help to accomplish, Sean. Yeah, I, you know, and I think for us, you know, why, why you don't minimum, why you, you do acknowledge that that's how you do it, none of it matters if you don't get number eight against the Cardinals. And so for us, We've just got to focus on being completely and totally present, being where our feet are planted, um, taking advantage of the opportunity that we have over the next couple of days, and then starting Wednesday with our real prep in person um, to, to do it the right way and, and then see if we can put ourselves in position on Sunday to, to go win our eighth game. And then what's after that, we'll handle then. But it is, uh, it is the coaching cliche, but it's the truth. You know, you, you just can't look ahead. You just got to be able to – to handle what you can in the moment because so many things are ever changing by the day, especially given the circumstances with this COVID. Well, uh, with the game uh, versus San Francisco against that defense, um, I, I guess the easy way to ask is, was it what San Francisco was doing to you or was were the mistakes being made self-inflicted, if, if that makes any sense? Sure. Yeah, I think, um, I think you want to give credit to them. You know, they certainly did a nice job executing their plan. Uh, but their plan was exactly in alignment with things that we had anticipated with what we had seen. Uh, the only thing which, you know, we had seen a lot of teams do it. So it wasn't something that, you know, we weren't ready to adjust is they brought a couple corner blitzes. But, 
Um, it was very similar to what they had shown, and you give them credit for executing, but I think some of the mishaps were a result of, you know, guys that, that are capable of, of executing at a higher level weren't, weren't as consistent as we'd like to be, and those are things that we'll move, uh, we'll address and, uh, and try to make sure we get corrected as we attack the Cardinals this week. See, this is the toughest show, uh, really, because uh, how many years have we been doing this now? Uh, because it's hard to talk about the quarterback. You know, it's, it's a touchy part of every football team, every fan base. It's a touchy part of the coaching staff. So how do we talk about Jared Goff and how he played? Yeah, so here's the thing I would say, you know, because I think there was probably a lot made about me uh, acknowledging that he's got to take better care of the football. I wouldn't say something if I didn't know he wasn't strong enough to be able to handle it. And um, I'm hard on him because I believe in him and I know he's capable of doing better. Uh, I think there's... Nobody knows how difficult that position is other than him. It's the most difficult position in all of sports. Uh, he's got as much pressure and as much responsibility on his shoulders as anybody. Um, and so with that comes a lot of responsibility and pressure that he's capable of handling. If there's one thing that we know about this guy is he's, uh, he's got the ability to respond from some setbacks. And you show me a great quarterback, I'll show you a guy that's had some rough patches uh, and they've usually responded. And that's what this guy's history tells us he'll do. Um, it's not exclusively him that has to play better, though, and has to coach better. This is all of us in it together. Uh, but ultimately, when you do control the football and you have the ball in your hands as much as that spot does, uh, that's where you know we've got to continue to, to do a better job of taking care of it. And um, when you have four turnovers and three of them you, know, you have a hand in, that's where I know he's capable of doing better, and I think he would be the first to say the same thing as well. Sean, are you able to put a finger on the difference between Monday night at Tampa Bay and Sunday at SoFi Stadium? I know he threw a couple of picks in that Monday night football win at Tampa Bay, but the performance overall was strikingly different just six days apart. Yeah, you know, I, it's, it's hard to say because, um, you know, it's amazing what a momentum thing this game is. And, you know, I, I'm not going to ever make excuses why we did or didn't play as well as we're capable of, but you wonder, okay, when we're rolling on that first drive and, you know, we end up putting the ball on the ground on a first down check down that's going to gain nine yards, uh, what does that drive look like? You wonder on the second drive when we're moving down the field and you've got Cooper on a flat route on third and two that typically we hit, that we had hit plays very similar to that in the, in the you know, previous six days. Uh, what does that look like instead of having to kick a field goal, do you score a touchdown? And so um, those things add up. They minimize your opportunities. Uh, that's why I think, one of the things that's been helpful for us has been able to sustain the time of possession, keep our defense off the field, even though we know we want to score more points. And, you know, they were able to do that in a lot of instances. They had, I want to say, 34 minutes of possession. And um, we just weren't as good on third downs. And the margin for error is so slim in this league. They did a good job of minimizing some of the opportunities for the explosives. And then when we did get our chances, um, you know, we hit a couple, but we weren't able to capitalize uh, on them overall, and, and that was uh, something that I think reflected in not nearly an efficient night. You know, a, a few, well, it was good to see Cam Akers pop one. That was, that was fun to see him off to the races. I, I thought San Francisco's defense did a pretty good job with their slants. They kind of slanted themselves into one, and finally you hit them. Is that tough for you when they're having success against your run game to stay with it and just knowing that if we keep chopping wood, we'll get one through there? Yeah, it is, Jay. It, it really is, DeMarco, because, you know, th that was something that they've done a nice job with. We knew that they were going to be able to be a defense while they're regulated in their front structure. They do move and 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 change those alignments post-snap, uh, you know, a good amount. And I think that's something that's always been a focal point for us to have to handle that. 
And unfortunately, we didn't handle that very well. I didn't think we stayed connected on our blocks. I didn't think we handled the movement. Uh, you know, it, it forced us to not be able to get off on some combinations where people were free on the second level. And, um, you know, we did pop the one, but but really it was a it was a good run by Cam, but it was a great job by Cooper Cup securing Mosley coming off the edge and then Blythe Skinny and through on the second level to get the linebacker blocked. So, um, you know, some of those you just have to continue to stay with it, but but you also have to be more efficient in order to have the patience to do that. And uh, it was a it was a give and take. That was a big play, and, and that drive ended up giving us the lead, but unfortunately we weren't able to hold on to it. I want to jump ahead to the last drive, and it was clear to me that you were playing to go win that game, Sean, and why not, but uh, not guarding against what proved to be a regulation loss. Would you manage that last possession offensively differently if given a do-over outside the two-minute warning? I don't think so, only because, like you said, you know, we play to win the game. Uh, I think that play on second and five is one that we typically make that throw and catch, and then the third down we had run that screen a handful of times, and we had the – you know, kind of the fake screen off of that where, you know, we, we, we had a chance to, to hit Robert Woods in the slot, you know, off of that look. Uh, those two plays didn't work out. But um, I also thought a big part of it was being able to pin them deep because of the way our defense had played and, and not getting that, you know, where it ends up in a touchback as opposed to pinning them on the one based on the punt that Johnny made. Thought was a, was a real, uh, you know, tough outcome for us that, that, that you, uh, you understand how big that is. But – would not change it. Um, just want to see us be able to execute. But that's a result in the confidence I have in our players. And that's all I know how to do. You know, we're not playing afraid to lose. We're going to go try to attack to win. And felt like that was the, the, the approach that was best served in that given circumstance and scenario. Tyler Higby is a warrior. Yeah, he is. I mean, you, you got to chain him to the locker room to, to keep him from playing. I mean, that dude is tough as nails. I give him all the credit he, in the world. I do, too. Yeah, yeah I, I really have a lot of respect. Big time. And this is the second week in a row that we really haven't talked that much about Joe Noteboom. Again, that's good when we don't talk about the left tackle. That's exactly right. Sean, any update on Andrew Whitworth since we just mentioned Joe Noteboom? I mean, how's everything going with him behind the scenes and maybe an updated timeline for when he might be able to rejoin the Rams? Yeah, he's he's doing good. I, I think, um, you know, he's, he's making the progress. I don't necessarily think there's anything on the timetable right now, but it's just something that uh, – you know, we just, uh, we're just going to continue to monitor one day at a time, and then we'll see what that looks like towards the latter half of the season. And then elsewhere on the injury front, I know Terrell Lewis was not able to go. Uh, reports that he had a, a knee drained and unavailable at week 12. How do you think that will play out over the rest of the season? Not really sure. You know, we're just taking it a day at a time right now. We'll see, uh, we'll see what happens. And he is, uh, you know, he's a guy that he's tough. He's had some unfortunate setbacks that he's had to work through, but um, – you know, that's uh, that's just kind of where we're at, and we're going to just keep working with Terrell, and, and hopefully we'll be able to get him back out on the field sooner than later. You know who I like watching on your football team, Coach? And it's for, like, like a horror movie purpose is Nick Scott. My goodness. Does that guy yeah, – oh, my God, does he bring the lumber? No, he's he's done a nice job. He's uh, he's tough. He's uh, – he's you know, he started out as a real contributor on special teams, and then uh, – you know, then after that, uh, you know, he's had to step up in a significant role as a safety, and I think he's really seamlessly done a really great job there. And it's a real credit to Coach Evero and, and to Nick, and, you know, I've been very pleased with him. I mean, my God, that hit he made. I mean, that made me cringe in the, in the, in the, in the parking lot. That was a hell of a shot. I mean, that echoed through the building. No question. <laughs> All right, coming up on the Coach McVay Show, we will turn our attention to some defense. What was the game plan with Jalen Ramsey and Darius Williams and how it played out against the Niners? Plus, Aaron Donald tries to will his team to victory. 
directly or indirectly responsible for about 10 points in week 12. We'll discuss all that with the head coach of your Los Angeles Rams here on 710 ESPN. I mean, regardless of how this game is played out and, you know, the feelings of this locker room right now, um, you know, this isn't about turning against each other or, or separating into three different groups here. We are the Rams, and, and that's going to stay true no matter what. I, I have full confidence in the guys in this room. We love each other too much. We play for each other. Uh, we grind with each other. It's, it's, uh, it's going to, you know, be a beautiful thing being able to get back and, and, and get back to work with them. That was Cooper Cup from SoFi Stadium following week 12 against the 49ers. We continue with the Coach McVay show here on 710 ESPN. DeMarco Farr, J.B. Long, and the head coach of your Rams. Look, Cooper Cup has been uh, one of the silent leaders of your franchise ever since he was drafted, stepping up into a more prominent captain role now. Sean, what does it mean to hear something like that coming out of the postgame yesterday? Yeah, I think it's great. I mean, I think it's well said. I think it's exactly right. I think – you know, while you do acknowledge that it's, uh, you know, important that the three phases collectively contribute and it is about the Rams, you know, those questions come up because, you know, there's some things that we have to do better in some of the other phases. But uh, it's about staying connected. That's what the good teams do. And ultimately, these guys care about one another. And, and that's why I think what he said was, uh, you know, can't say it any better than what he did right there and nothing to add, really. You know, it was funny. Uh, people made fun of uh, Patricia in Detroit for some loss he had where he buried the football in front of his football team. They thought it was funny. I actually thought it was a pretty good idea. It was symbolic, you know? Uh, you know, when things like this happen, when you lose games like you lost to the Niners, they start to pull apart your football team, or they try. So it's important to stick together. So what is your message of, of sticking together to your football team? It's just that. You know, you talk about the care, but – I also think it is important, especially with these guys, because of how smart and aware they are, that you have to be honest. You have to acknowledge the things that did or didn't take part for us to be able to collectively reach the outcome that we want. And so um, I think being able to be honest, being able to be clear, open and honest with these guys is the most important approach. Being demanding of everybody while also acknowledging that here are the things that we need to do. Uh, to be able to remain a team and to stay connected because there's been different ways that we've won games, but um, I do think the defense has been a consistent bright spot and, and we're looking for more consistency in those other phases. And um, that's something that I think is the truth right now. Sean, did San Francisco do well to take Cooper away from your game plan early on or were the Rams just unable to find him in certain spots? I think a little bit of both. You know, I think, um, you know, I think really, you know, the, the beauty of it is, is, you know, you always want to get Cooper involved, but, uh, you know, you also want to make sure that you're spreading the touches around. And I think, um, you know, what, what ends up really happening is, is when you're not as efficient on some of those third downs that we typically have been in, um, you know, those opportunities are just limited. You know, we only threw the football 31 times. We didn't have nearly as many plays as what we would like. And as a result, uh, it means less touches for other guys. But um, I do have to do a better job of getting him more involved, getting him more opportunities, because when the ball's in his hands, good things happen, uh, as you guys could see on the, uh, you know, the 30 plus yard slant that he caught. Yeah. And, and when 99's on the field, good things keep happening. You know, a, a game changing play by Aaron Donald. I mean, change the entire football game. I mean, that's, yeah, that's why he, you pay him the money. Yeah, he was uh, – I mean, if you watch him, it's a relentless all-out assault every single play with him. I mean, he was he was unbelievable. Uh, he affected the game in so many different ways. I definitely thought there was a couple plays that they got away with holding them on that weren't called. Um, but he is, uh, he is a war daddy. I mean, you look at who got the first tip that led to the interception. Uh, he got his hands up, and 
you know, he's just affected and influenced in the game in so many ways, and he's such a special competitor. I love him. Is is that a send in thing like you do with with certain penalties? Do you do you send in holding calls or or what should be holding calls on Aaron to the league? You do, yeah, you do to try to get clarity on, uh, you know, was this a missed call? How is this being officiated? And you know, those are things that we do on a week by week basis, and uh, ultimately it's for educational purposes. And then in some instances. Uh, sometimes you come back and you get clarity and then others just say, yeah, that was something that, you know, it is an imperfect game. You got to acknowledge that when things happen as quickly as they do, you can't expect them to be a hundred percent. But when they come back and tell you that that was a missed one, you know, especially after you get the result, uh, those don't make you feel much better. <laughs> on a trying afternoon, what did it feel like on that scoop and score when all the momentum finally swings in your favor? It felt like that, you know, and, and I think it was after a drive where even though it wasn't a touchdown, you know, we had a chance where you end up hitting Cooper on that big play. Then you hit Josh Reynolds. You have a chance to hit Daryl Henderson, but it ended up resulting in a, uh, a field goal that got it to 17-6. to six. And then the next thing you know, the second play of the drive, then, then Aaron forces the fumble. Troy Hill picks it up, and, and all of a sudden it's 17-13 uh, when things weren't feeling great for us. Um, and then they get another stop, and then Cam Akers busts out a 61-yard run. He has two hard red zone runs within the second of which resulted in a touchdown. And then you're looking up and you're saying, here we go, man, it's 20 to 17. And that's where this, the momentum and continuing to believe and having guys that are capable of changing the game like Aaron uh, are such big parts of what you try to do. I thought the front was active. I root hard for Sebastian Joseph day. I love when he makes plays. He's a lot of fun to watch, but Troy reader leading the team in tackles. He's a pretty good middle linebacker. He really is. He's very productive. Uh, I thought he was active all day, did a great job and, you know, Joe Barry has those guys ready to roll, and I thought he and Kenny both performed admirably against a really tough offense. Morgan Fox, too, has shown up in some major moments this season, including the last two games, even going back to Tampa when we thought he had a big play on the goal line. Yeah, you know, Fox, he's, he's been a steady producer, you know, all year, like you mentioned, JB. Um, I just think Eric Henderson and, and what he's done with that front, you know, you're seeing the improvements and, and the way that these guys have played, so this, especially Sebastian and, and Foxy. I've uh, been very pleased with them. You know, you know you're always going to get steady production out of Brockers, uh, but I, I just think that interior front has just continued to get better, and uh, it's a real credit to them and, and the coaching job that Eric Henderson's doing. Not giving too much depth to the opponent, but, I mean, but you have to. It's football. We, we enjoy watching. But I've never seen a more aptly named player than Debo Samuel. I mean, that's not a receiver. No, he's, <laughs> he's got great contact balance. He's strong through the catch. Uh, he's a big boost for them. You know, that, that's what makes them a really good coaching staff. They do a great job of activating him in a way that expresses his strengths. And, you know, he looks sudden, too. You know, you could see he's strong. He's got that. He's got a really thick trunk and lower half. And, um, you know, he's a guy that's been an impact player for them since he got in the league last year and made a huge impact as a rookie. And then when he's been healthy and available, uh, he's definitely made his presence felt. And Debo is definitely an appropriate name for him. The way that they utilize him, too, kind of sandwiched between Mike Evans and then Hopkins, who you're going to see coming up next, it must be different in terms of how you arrange your coverage and your concepts, knowing that he's liable to sprint across the formation and, and take one of those pop passes at a moment's notice. Yeah, he's he kind of serves as a, a guy that let's just get the ball in his hands in a variety of ways. Um, and even though those go down as receiving stats, you know, if they flip it to him as opposed to just hand it off to him like you see us doing a lot of our jet sweeps, um, you know, when the ball's in his hands, good things happen. Those other guys um, are great players as well, but you're, you're seeing, you know, a lot of their touches more reflected from the true receiver position. Even though they move them all over the place, you know, they're not getting as many touches as Debo is in that, in that capacity. 
You know, it's fair. It's 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 football. I mean, you want the offense to play better, and you know, there, there's there's spots where you can you can ask your D to 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 play to do more for you. I mean, I think you've got the horses and the athletes to do it. Um, at some situations, it could be a complete and total lockdown. I think you have that ability on defense. I do. I I, I agree with that. I think um, the expectations are high based on the production and and the expectations that they've set based on that production. Um, And I think, um, you know, those are things that, you know, you continue to challenge them to have the standard of being the best in the world. And and then you continue to challenge, uh, you know, more consistency overall in some of those other phases that have shown really bright spots. But uh, I I think, uh, you know, for the defense especially, they've been a very consistent, steady producer. And I think they're only getting better. and, And they've done it against some of the better offenses in this league, which I think continues to allow them to gain more and more confidence. And that momentum is a real powerful thing. See, the reason I said that is because most people want to point fingers at one guy at number 16. And I said, that's not number 16 bouncing off Debo Samuel. That's defense. So defense can be better. This is about the team, not just one guy. Correct. And that football is the greatest team sport there is. Um, I think ultimately when you look at you know, everybody's got all the answers and no accountability. And that's what I told Jared, too. You know, there's no better – there's no more difficult position than the quarterback spot. It's why, uh, you know, you get a lot of praise when good things happen and a lot of crit- criticism when bad things don't uh, – or when bad things occur. And, and he's, uh, he's got broad enough shoulders to be able to handle it. He'll be able to respond. But uh, it is a team game. Uh, but that quarterback spot def- definitely dictates, uh, you know, a lot of uh, – sometimes the the right uh you know responsibility and in a lot of instances the wrong responsibility in terms of you know where credit is uh is given for a win or a loss this is the coach McFay show week 13 edition here on 710 espn with demarco far i'm jb long and the head coach of your los angeles Rams, sean McFay. kind of picking up that point you just finished on i can appreciate the possibility of a predicament as the play caller sean because given jared's results over say the last four games I mean, do you design to a quarterback who's had some elite moments and is capable of doing just about anything on a football field? Or do you have to scale it back and guard against a a rash of turnovers and not ask him to do too much at the detriment of your team? Well, I think that's what the uh, the game plan is for and then being able to feel out the flow of the game. And so, uh, you know, we're always going to be an outfit that tries to, to be aggressive but smart. And then, you know, we always collaborate as a coaching staff you know what's the formula for what we feel like is the best way to try to go win that football game uh collectively with the offense defense and special teams combining their efforts and and their approaches and so um you know maybe a little bit different than what we've seen in previous years but uh our defense has been a real strength and um you know you might not necessarily feel like you've got to score a a bunch of points to win the football game that doesn't mean that you're ever not trying to go score points i'm not ever going to make an excuse or or try to rationalize why we haven't scored uh, more points than we have offensively but it is about winning the football game and um you know like you said you know jared's shown the capability and the capacity to, to to play at a really high level in this league we've had a couple things that have occurred over the last few weeks that i think are things that we can learn from and and that's what we expect him to be able to do. You know what's fun? We haven't talked about your place kicker in a couple of weeks. I think you found one. You know, that last drive, if you were to kept possession, you were driving down when it was a tie game, 2020. Yeah. Uh, we were watching Gay warm up. It's the first time we actually got to see him live. That dude's got a cannon. I mean, no, that thing does. flies off his foot there. It really does. You know, he's, uh, he's, he's really strong. He's got great length. Uh, you can see the timing, the immediate lift that he gets on his kicks. I thought he kicked off really well, and then obviously – he was automatic with all his uh, scoring opportunities yesterday. And 
um, that was something that I think is a real positive for for our football team and, and for him especially. I couldn't wait. I mean, I, I know you don't play for distance on those. You play for touchdowns. But, you know, I, where if, if it did come down to a field goal, I mean, where would he be comfortable? Inside of 50, outside of a 50, it, it was yeah, coming down I, I to mean, something I think good. you saw some of those longer 40-yarders that he hit. I mean, you know, that was comfortable from 55. And so – um, that's, that's about where, where you're saying, but you know, the, the closer that you can get, the better off you are. And, and usually what's going to be reflective of more consistent accuracy. But, uh, the, one of the things you love about this guy is he's got great range, especially in a controlled setting like our stadium. We talked with Les a little bit about this last week. He seemed to feel like there was potential for this to be a long-term answer. Having now seen him kick home and away, are you optimistic about that as well? Oh yeah. Yeah. That, that was why we brought him in, um, with the hopes of, of finding your long-term solution at the kicker spot, you know, especially a guy that uh, has all those natural skills, traits, and characteristics you're looking for, um, you know, and really in a lot of instances, you know, Johnny and, and Jake having such a good feel and mastery for the landscape of the league, just given when they go out and warm up and they're really checking guys out, you know, they were, uh, they were adamant about, uh, you know, their support of him, and, and that meant a lot to me and to Les. All right, coming up on the Coach McVay Show, the Arizona Cardinals are next. In fact, two games in the week ahead, Sunday to Arizona, then Thursday against New England, who happened to play yesterday. We'll talk about all that as we continue on 710 ESPN. We continue with DeMarco Farr and Sean McVay. I'm J.B. Long. And, uh, Sean, I don't know if you remember, but a couple of weeks back, we talked about a scenario where maybe one of your staff members would have to play quarterback. Little did we know mm. that that uh, exact scenario almost played out with the Denver Broncos. Can you believe what transpired with that franchise over the weekend? Yeah, that's uh, you know just another uh, you know example of something in a crazy year like this that's just uncharted territory for all of us. And so you hate to see that uh, for the Broncos. Um, but it is it is something that just continues to demonstrate how volatile this thing is and what a different year than uh, than we've ever uh, navigated through before. They ended up with Kendall Hinton, a receiver from the practice squad, playing quarterback, despite wanting to sign Rob Calabrese, their offensive quality control coach. Coming off of that, do you think it, it bears any further thought on the Rams' part about, I don't know, the, the quarantining an emergency quarterback or stashing someone from the practice squad away from the quarterback room down the stretch? Yeah, I think, you know, and you want to continue to make sure that there's a heightened sense of awareness to following all the protocols as far as wearing the mask, making sure that, God forbid, one of them comes up with it. You know, the close contact trace doesn't wipe those guys out uh, in the immediate future. And then, you know, we've got a couple guys that are capable on the roster that uh, have some background playing the quarterback spot. But I think it's more about let's just follow the, the, the proper role, the proper procedures to try to minimize the impact if, God forbid, one of them were to get it. Uh, technically, Coach, you, you are a middle-aged quarterback, you know. You could actually guess, try to, yeah. I guess so. Yeah, I think we got some other capable candidates that I'd want to put in there before myself. I, 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 I want to see how many zone reads you call if you're the quarterback this time, right? It'd, it'd be a lot, <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. I mean, I, you, I mean, I, just a lot of different stuff that you have to plan for this year that you may not use. I mean, that's burdened more hours that you could use towards game planning, right? I mean, this is a weird year. Yeah, it is. I mean, uh, you know, you look at what we had to do last week, kind of changing practice up where get a call on Thanksgiving evening about we might have uh, a lot of guys and it ended up being a false positive. Wow. And so these are just some of the things that, uh, you know, never thought you'd have to go through. I think uh, when you look around the league, uh, it has been very minimal. The, the the things that have really, you know, forced us to that we've been forced to deal with. And, and again, I keep going back to 
you know, to Reggie and, and so many other people that have been instrumental and, and really kind of, you know, having a foresight on, on how we best navigate through this. And then I think the players deserve a lot of credit as well. How about what Kyle and the Niners are about to embark on? Any appreciation for the operation they're going to have to undertake these next three weeks? Yeah, it's crazy. You know, I, um, I, you know, I, I definitely know that, uh, you know, they've handled a lot of adversity really well. And, um, you know, it's, it's something you, you don't ever want to have to see that, you know, and you want to see it as smooth as possible for everybody. But, uh, you know, those guys will handle it the right way. And, but it is unfortunate to see. Uh, are you ready to move on to, to Arizona? Uh, are you still breaking down this film? No, I'm ready to move on. I, uh, you know, I, I think that's the best part about it is, you know, you still have that pit in your stomach when you wake up, but the only thing that you can do is address it and move on and, and, you know, sometimes starting fresh on a new game plan while not ignoring the fact and being naive to the things that um, didn't occur that, that need to occur as far as the overall execution and some of the decision-making from my vantage point or from coaching perspective. Um, we don't minimize the importance of that, but I think being able to move on is part of what keeps you going and gets you excited about another opportunity to compete this week. You know, is, that's a good question. Uh, some of the run plays that didn't pop or San Francisco made a play on. Um, in your profession, do you throw out plays or do you say we can just execute those same plays better if they don't work? Yeah, I think, um, you know, you got to be honest with your evaluation of yourself, you know, as a, as a play caller. And when you're putting together some of the stuff from a schematic standpoint, you got to say, does this give our players a chance to execute? Are we providing them with the tools and the, you know, the fundamentals and the techniques to, to get this done? And if you can say yes, then you continue to coach it. But there's a lot of instances where, you know, you got to be honest with yourself and say, this wasn't a very good spot that I put our guys in. And, um, you know, you got to make sure that you're demonstrating that ownership and that shared accountability that you expect from your players. And so it's not always on them. Um, there's a lot of times that they'll, they'll bail me out, but there's some times too that we can say, hey, we, we, can, we can do this a little bit better based on the things we've discussed, but I think it's a give and take, and that's why it's all about us being connected and, and being on the same page and, and everybody understanding that. Going back to that Malcolm Brown fumble, which we mentioned along the way, but, but kind of just uh, buzz right past it actually reminded me of an accomplishment for the Rams, Sean, and that is you played 10 games without a running back fumble before that moment. And that's with three running backs playing either their first NFL reps or career high level uh, touches in, in their NFL career. And, and I think that's something to be celebrated despite the unfortunate circumstance y yesterday. Yeah, it's a real credit. You know, Thomas Brown coaches that as hard as any guy I've ever been around. It's a huge point of emphasis for us as a football team and, um, you know, it, it is an unfortunate thing that, that brings up that stat, but uh, I know Malcolm's as conscientious as it gets, and we're hoping that's a one-off. You know, I mean, sometimes, like, how can you really be mad at that? It was a great play defensively, you know? It I mean, was, yeah. yeah. I, think, I think there's certain times where you want to do everything that you can in terms of the ball security. I think these teams in this league do such a great job of attacking at it, and understanding which positions or which spots you can get in as far as just your body positioning, you know, to leave it susceptible where you don't have that off hand cover available at your disposal. It gets away from your body. And, and those are things that, you know, you've got to be aware of because especially when you get into traffic, if you don't get that opposite arm involved, I don't care who you are, that ball is going to come out in a lot of instances. And, you know, Malcolm kind of got his weight up over him. There was a little bit of exposure, and Jimmy Ward did a great job attacking at it. Yeah, if he did the old Plaxico Burr spiking it, you know, when you're not touched down, then you can go nuts. That was just a great play. That's right. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you there. 
We got one more for you on the silver lining front, and that is what Cooper Cup has done through 50 games. Yesterday was his 50th game with the Rams, and he's in an elite class with some of DeMarco's former teammates. Uh, first 50 NFL games with the Rams, first in receptions, second in receiving touchdowns only to Bruce, and third in receiving yards only to Holt and Bruce. I mean, uh, you don't often like to com- you don't like to compare eras, but when you're talking about the greatest show on turf and the uh, the Sean McVay Rams, I think those are fair comparisons. No, that, that's that's really good. I, I where I where I wonder where if you just said you know cause is that just to start a career? Right, for first fifty games with the Rams. Yes, I wonder where Robert Woods falls on the on those numbers then. If you uh, if you ran his stuff, you know, or does he not? Does he not? Uh, is he not available for that stat because he played with the Bills beforehand? Right, in terms of the context that we're talking about, but we could certainly mm-hmm. compare Robert's first 50, and, and you know those two have been hip-to-hip the whole way, so they are very comparable in that regard, yeah. yes. No, that's great for Cooper, though. That's a, that's a really cool thing, and, I mean, you're talking about uh, Hall of Fame players that, that you're being mentioned in the same breath as. I think, uh, I think Cooper has enough respect for the tradition of this organization at that spot and just the history of the league to know what rarefied air that is. Is he – he looks like he's – stronger this year do my eyes lie like especially after the catch he looks like he's a stronger player this year yeah he looked pretty strong after that new orleans catch yeah. week two last <laughs> week last year too but uh he is uh i think what i think really you know i think going back to last week against tampa i think you know he was banged up he pushes through so many things and he's such a warrior competitor i think he's he's healthy i think he's feeling good and i think you've seen that strength and that explosion uh reflected in a couple of the run after the catches specifically against Tampa and then you know like like we've said I got to get him more opportunities but but yesterday on his first catch on his 30 yard catch his 33 yard catch you know he sure looked good there as well I know it takes all 11 but is it fair to say that the the offensive hiccups when they have occurred here in the last month or so have not been a protection issue I remember you saying something similar after the Miami game that this was not on the offensive line how about on on yesterday's game where it seemed like there were only a few pressures on dropbacks yeah, there weren't many, you know, and I think the balls come out pretty quickly. Um, you know, we, we, we've, uh, we try to pick and choose our spots to take some of those shots, but you know, there was a couple things that, that I expect us to be better up front, but for the most part, I, I think our line has, has done a nice job, especially in the protection element and, and protection phase of things when we are throwing the football. Uh, but, but yesterday, uh, I think overall yesterday, you know, just, just, just given the uh, circumstances, there was definitely some solid pass pro, but uh, the, the offensive production, I do believe, was a result that everybody had a hand in. And, and to a man, I think everybody can do a little bit better. And I'm certainly a big part of that as well. I thought their sacks were mostly covered sacks anyway. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Not really clean beats up front. Just nowhere to go with the football. Yeah. No, they did, they did a good job. There was a couple of those man coverage situations. And um, that, that definitely is where some of those coverage sacks occurred, like you're talking about. Coming up on the Coach McFay Show, the first meeting of the year with the Arizona Cardinals in this daunting NFC West, which the Rams still have a path to win under their own control. We'll bring in Coach McVay and talk about the Cardinals, who he is undefeated against after this on 710 ESPN. Final segment of the Coach McVay Show on this Monday night. The Rams' first trip to Arizona to face the Cardinals, who are 6-5. and five. The Rams are 7-4, and four, NFC West play continues and Sean this is a franchise that you've had some great success against in your years Uh, but Vance Joseph and company have some new personnel including their top selection on defense Isaiah Simmons 
Yeah, no, they, they do a great job. And, and, you know, Coach Joseph has had a lot of success in this league. They're playing really well. Uh, like you mentioned, they, they added uh, a big-time player in Simmons. Buda Baker and Patrick Peterson are playing at such a high level. And um, they're getting a lot of really good contributions from a variety of guys, and they're mixing it up. And, you know, we're kind of just getting in the early parts of the game plan. But I don't care what, you know, previous history suggests. This is a really good football team, and it's going to be about bringing it in the three-and-a-half-hour, four-hour window that we're guaranteed on Sunday. Buda Baker's a guy you have to call out, right? you got to know where he is. He's a baller. He's on play. Talk about a relentless play energy, physicality, way that you want guys to fly around, you know, with just the overall effort with the burst speed and the finish. This guy is a baller, and I have a tremendous amount of respect for what he puts on tape week in and week out. And level with us. Uh, you love competing against Patrick Peterson. Be honest. I, I do because I love the guy. I think he's a great competitor. Um, you know, the, the, the greats in this league, I, you know, I'm a fan of this game as well. And, uh, I'm a fan of, of greatness, and I think both those guys are great football players, and you know I think that's what gets you excited. And even though I'm not truly competing, I love watching our guys compete against them because I think it, uh, it makes it exciting, it makes it fun, and that's what's special about the NFL is usually every single week there's some guys on the opposing sideline that you're saying that about. The Cardinals just lost despite holding the Patriots to a mere 179 yards of total offense. In fact, this is going to be a meeting where both teams got beat on a field goal as time expired. 20-17 to 17 Patriots. Theirs was a 50-yard field goal by Nick Folk on the final play of the game. And there aren't many parallels week to week across teams, Sean, in the National Football League. But this is one where you might say, hey, whoever's uh, more emotionally ready to bounce back might have an advantage in week 13. I think so. I, I, think, uh, I think that's really what it's about in this league is – Every single week, you're, you're kind of looking at uh, a, a result or a finish that might surprise you, but I think you stop getting surprised at this point and just understand that you have to bring it every single week, and the teams that can consistently do that and their guys show up and, um, and they're ready to go are the ones that usually are, are standing at the end with an opportunity to compete for a world title. And uh, being able to respond from some of those setbacks is a big deal, uh, and I think those teams that are – resilient uh, will be the ones, especially in this kind of year, that will be uh, you know, giving themselves an opportunity to be relevant when it counts the most. You know what I like about Kyler Murray the most? There's only one of them. Yeah, me too. Yeah, this I, guy is a nightmare. He's so, uh, you know, I guess it's too early to call him special, but no, I mean, I you had so. Michael Vick. Yeah, special. go ahead. Special, I think, is an appropriate uh, way to describe him. This guy's like a cheat code. I mean, you watch him and um, the plays that he can make, I mean, you talk about just, you know, he's got great ability to make any of the throws, you know, and, you know, everybody wants to talk about his height, but, you know, you don't throw over people. You throw through people. He can make plays in the pocket. He is as dynamic as and as elusive as anybody that you've ever seen. And then you see the rush production, but what I think he does such a phenomenal job of is he slips those punches, you know. He understands how to still protect himself even though they activate him as a runner pretty frequently, especially once you get into the red area and things like that. But he is uh, he sure is fun to watch. I don't know how fun he is to play against, but he's <laughs> fun to watch, you know, just, you know, admiring, you know, the, the type of competitor and, you know, just watching the, 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 the way that this guy continues to believe in the belief that he creates with his teammates around him. I mean, you can feel it. It's a tangible thing. And, you know, you felt that since last year, but I think he's even taken his game to a whole nother level this year. Sean, after yesterday's loss, he was asked quite a bit, speaking to Murray, about kind of why he's been minimized as a run threat and perhaps suggesting that it's tied to the right shoulder issues he's been battling through. From a preparation standpoint, do you just plan for him to be 
a fully two-dimensional threat at quarterback and be pleasantly surprised if for some reason he is restraining himself in the running game? Oh, yeah. You'd be kidding yourself not to, to be ready for that element of their offense. Um, but this guy's a dynamic quarterback that, that has the ability to run. You know, I think there's a big, a big difference than a guy that's a running quarterback. This guy is, a, is, a, is playing the position, but he also has an elite trait to be able to utilize his athleticism, and they can activate him as a runner, whether that's off schedule or uh, you know, by design within the, the play call. And so um, I'm, I'm just seeing a, a really good football player that uh, is only getting better, and um, you sure wish he wasn't in your division. No doubt. Uh, I bet you can't wait to get back to the field, man. I can't. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited, you know, and, you know, like I've said to you guys before, especially, you know, hopefully it's few and far between, but when we have to have these conversations, you know, after a, a disappointing loss, the, the only thing that you want to really be able to do is go attack your next opportunity to respond from it. And, uh, and that's exactly what, uh, you know, today involves. One of the strength against strength matchups that we all look forward to in week 13 is DeAndre Hopkins and their explosive vertical offense against a defense, Sean, that, you know, you and Brandon Staley have crafted to really tamp down on explosive plays. No one seems to get over the top of your defense. How much attention did you devote to that in terms of its architecture? And then how pleased are you with their ability to limit opposing offenses, explosive plays? Yeah, very pleased. You know, Brandon has done such a phenomenal job. Um, you know, his ability to collaborate with our other great coaches in-house uh, to develop this system, to accentuate our players' skill sets and to have a philosophy behind uh, some of the things that we're trying to get done coverage-wise and uh, just, you know, game in and game out. It's really been, you know, such a job well done by them. I've uh, been really pleased with Brandon. Not surprised, but but uh, very proud of the, uh, the huge impact that he and, and our defensive coaching staff has made, and then ultimately the players that uh, have been making it come to life. Was it you, JB, or Maurice that told me that Hopkins was a 4-5 guy? Because he don't well, look like 4-5 on film. Maurice is the, the king of the 40 time. I don't know how yeah. he, he gets all that data in his, in his combine head, Does but that he never lets it go. That's because Mo was a 4-3-7 guy at the combine, <laughs> so of course he's going to love that data because he was a baller. He was rolling at his combine time. But four three seven. <laughs> I think he was a four three seven. I'd probably say I was a four three three. You idiot. You know, but uh, I know he ran a blazing forty time at the combine. But he played fast too. You know, and that's where I think I don't care what the Andre Hopkins ran his forty in at Indy. I'm seeing this guy play full speed and really fast with pads on, and that's all that really counts in this league. Um, some guys time fast and play fast. Some guys don't time as fast and play fast. I think it's about that play speed. And uh, I don't really care what he played, what he ran. I'm seeing a really fast guy that can do everything uh, with the ball in his hands or when he's going down the field to track it, as well as anybody uh, in this league. Mike, our producer said Maurice ran a four three nine. That four three nine. That I got to see. He was rolling, man. <laughs> he was beating up those tights too. <laughs> beating up those tights with those legs. I got you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Besides Hopkins, man, I mean, there's, there's another part of me that every time you watch Arizona's tape, I, I keep saying there's Larry Fitzgerald again. Uh, you know what I mean? He's still playing football. No question. <laughs> he's, he's a dynamic playmaker. He's one of the all-time greats. Um, you know, just his – you talk about a consistent pr- producer. Uh, this guy's awesome. He's, he's what's right about this league and – uh, he's been such a great ambassador and, and for so many things in the steady production. I, I mean, I, I just, uh, you know, I love Larry Fitzgerald. And then, shoot, man, Christian Kirk jumps off the tape mm. as well. You're seeing him make a bunch of different plays. And, um, you know, they obviously have some great weapons in Edmonds and Drake at the running back spot. So you see why they're one of the top offenses in this league. 
Did Cliff Kingsbury ever try and get back at you, Sean, for that uh, commissioner prank you pulled on him with respect to tampering? <laughs> yeah, he did. It's called drafting Kyler Murray number one. <laughs> <laughs> That's how he and Steve Kime got back at me. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and then they traded for Hopkins. The, the gift that keeps on giving, no doubt. Yeah. yeah. Don't do that again then. Wow. That's right. Yeah, this is going to be fun. I mean, look, you've you got a lot of – Little mini rivalries in this division. It's fun competing week in and week out. Like you said, it's it's about the players, but you know the guy on the other side, just like you, you're you're all in this together in the same division. It's all tough for a reason because of the coaches. So it's fun going against these guys. No question, it's exactly right. I just thought of the uh, games that Tyler Higby put up last December against this Arizona franchise, and, and not to say that it's expected to happen again, but just thinking about kind of the hand and now the elbow that he's battled through. Um, is this something that's going to get better between now and the finish, or is he just going to have to take a couple of Advil and, and keep trying week after week? You know, I, I think it'll probably be better served to talk to Tyler about that. I think a lot of it dictates how he comes out of the game. You know, he's such a tough player, and it's such a physical position at the tight end spot where, you know, you're asked to serve so many roles, whether it be receiver, uh, protector, offensive lineman. I mean, there's just so many different things that these guys do, and so – He's uh, he embodies a complete tight end to the fullest, and I'm hopeful that he'll be as healthy as possible. But he's really persevered through some injuries that I think have limited some of the opportunities that he's had from a receiving standpoint, and even just you know to be on the field more. But he's a great football player, and uh, love what he's about for our team. I like all your tight ends, but I I love when Johnny Munt gets in. Yeah, that dude is uh, a feisty little blocker, man. You he know? really is. You would have to punch him in the face if you played against him. He's that feisty. He he definitely knows how to get <laughs> under people's skin. No doubt. One other odd and end, just because we haven't talked to you since uh, the Rams put a waiver claim in on Derek Rivers, who was a defensive end in New England, and you're going to play the Patriots upcoming. Uh, do you have a sense of where he might slot in uh, if on the active roster for your Rams? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, he got in so late that he wasn't able to really practice with us, but he sure looks the part. Um, you know, he has some good film to evaluate, and you know that he's been uh, raised in the right system and, and, and great coaching uh, in New England, and so I think we're looking forward to really getting an opportunity to to see him uh, on the field with us this week throughout the course of uh, you know practice and preparation for the Cardinals, and we'll see what that means for his uh, game day status. We didn't get to ask because we didn't have you. How was your Thanksgiving? You know, it was good until I got that call. You know, it, was, <laughs> it was great to be able to have you know uh, my my parents were in town. Um, you know, they're they're all good as far as you know, taking all the necessary precautions with the COVID testing and things like that. But to spend the, that time with them and, and with my fiance Veronica is always something that I truly cherish. And then uh, probably at about 6.45, I got a call about uh, from Reggie Scott about some uh, potential positive COVID tests. And then that was the end of a fun Thanksgiving for me. <laughs> Back to work. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's to a healthy week ahead, and I can't help but think about you know how the Rams played some of their best football down the finish in the month of December last year. Uh, here's to another go-round in 2020. Here we go. Thanks, guys. All right. He's Sean McVay for DeMarco Farr. I am JB Long. We'll be back on 710 ESPN with Rams All Access Thursday. Until then, thank you for listening, and have a good night.